0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: Here's the good news. Got a playoff game tonight. It's a big playoff game. The bad news is it could be your final game of the regular season. It could also be the final game of Jacob DeGrom in a uniform. And more bad news, DeGrom on the mound, but he's been in his last four starts pitching to a 6 ERA. So as we move past what happened last night, where the Mets lost seven to one to the Padres, despite Juan Soto going 0 for four. Uh, if you had that happening, then you know kudos to you. Their best player goes 0 for four. They still put up seven runs on Mad Max. So you had that happen last night. Max Scherzer gets booed off the mound. I didn't. I didn't love that. I understand the frustration from the Mets fans. I just didn't think it was all that warranted for a guy who, I mean, all season long has been dealing you know outside of you know just you know being on the IL a couple of times he he's he's pitched well all year bad time to have his worst start in the playoffs last night at Citi Field but i mean what can you do your offense didn't show up and now you turn to Jacob deGrom to save your season a guy who every year i don't know let's go back the last what eight years you've trusted in big moments and now this year he came back from the injured list, was elite, and then hit a wall. And now tonight, you're expecting him to turn it back on just in time for you to continue your season. But if he doesn't and you bow out, it's another disgrace. The, the season, I don't want to hear anything about 101 wins, the most wins you've had since 86. I don't want to hear anything about a batting title for Jeff McNeil or how great Pete Alonzo was or Edwin Diaz and Timmy Trumpets. I don't want to hear anything about that. You lose tonight, it's an utter embarrassment because what it means is you went from being one of the best teams in baseball with one of the best odds to win the title where we're having conversations about, you know, who's the best team in New York? Is there a changing of the guard? We're legitimately diving into that. And we're having fun with a judge to the Mets rumors and Uncle Steve Cohen becoming the second coming of George Steinbrenner. We're doing all of that and you go from being there to where you were, and now 27 hours from being swept by the Padres, who didn't win 90 games this year, that's an embarrassment, folks. I don't want to hear anything about, you know, excuses, starting Marte, injuries, nothing. Not a peep. Nothing. You go out and win this game tonight. All we heard for months. You give me a health, healthy Scherzer, you give me a healthy DeGrom, I feel great about my chances against anyone. Any team. Well, that team includes the San Diego Padres. That has to include the San Diego Padres. You're better than that. You shouldn't be getting smoked by them at, at home yesterday with your best pitcher on the mound, and you shouldn't get swept. You should not get swept. Darvish has been great against the Mets all year, so it was more of the same last night. He won all three of his starts uh, pitching to an under-1 ERA, Mets just couldn't capitalize. They were putting runners on the first inning. Right after Josh Bell's home run, the Mets were threatening. In the first bottom of the first inning, bottom of the second inning, couldn't do anything. Then they went hitless with runners in scoring position the rest of the game. Their only offense came off the bat of Eduardo Escobar, who hit the solo shot. But outside of that, it was more of the same from what we've been seeing from the Mets the last couple of weeks with this offense even with Starling Marte back in the lineup. So you got to find a way to score some runs early. 81 and 16 are the New York Mets. When they score first this year, that's the best record in the majors. And you could say that's the recipe for any team to win a playoff game. But when you're the Mets and you've got DeGrom on on the mound, who you still, as much as he has struggled, every time he takes the mound, you still expect him to go out there and be electric. Which, by the way, his first... Playoff start in seven years tonight. Because remember, it was Noah Syndergaard who started that wild card game against the Giants back in 2016. So DeGrom's first start in the playoffs since 2015. And the reason why you hear me pausing is because the Cleveland Guardians just walked it off in the 15th inning on the Rays. So now they advanced to the Division Series to play our beloved New York Yankees. Corey Kluber gives up the walk-off shot. So that game is finally over, mercifully. Oscar Gonzalez, walk-off home run sends Cleveland to the division series. That's what you love about sports. That's what you love about the postseason. Moments like that. That's a forever moment. Uh, Too bad they're going to get, you know, hosed by the Yankees. But they can enjoy this while they are uh, celebrating on the field. Back to the Mets. So you go from being where you were and now, you're staring at elimination on the second day of the postseason. So you've got a guy in, the, in Jacob Degrom, who again, I know he struggled, but every time he takes the mound, you still have to feel like he's gonna give. He he's gonna be great, and if he's not, uh, it's simple: the, the season's gonna end, and it's gonna be a disappointment. So, looking forward to that game. We're about two hours and twenty minutes away from first pitch between the Mets and the Padres. It is Blake Snell against Jacob DeGrom. And I just wonder, if you're a Met fan driving to Citi Field right now, I want to hear from you. 800-919-3776. How you feeling? And let's just say the worst-case scenario unfolds and you lose this game. Are we able to call this a successful season? Is this a success because you won 101 games? Is this a successful season for the Mets if they lose tonight or lose tomorrow? They lose this series to the Padres, the inferior team. Can we still call it a success because it's year one of this new, you know, that the the Coleman, Billy Epler, and Buck Showalter triumvirate? Can we still call it a success because the championship window is not being closed? And, you know, you still feel good about things going forward. Can you still call it a success? I'm wondering if you're a Met fan, if that's how you feel. I'll give you my answer in a moment. Richard in Manhattan wants to talk. What's up, Richard?
0: Hi, Ty. So out of the five games so far, three have been won by the road team. Now, Cleveland has two days off to play the Yankees. They do. The Yankees don't have much of an advantage here. Because Cleveland has a rest, they'll be able to use these number one and two pitches in probably games three and four back in Cleveland. See, I don't think the four-seeded teams are given enough advantage. I mean, Major League Baseball had their heart in the right place. They think they're doing a good thing. But I don't think they're doing enough. These four-seeded teams, Houston, Atlanta, the Yankees, and the Dodgers, I think all four, all five games should be in their home ballparks. That's how all how five? much of it. Five. Yep. I think those four teams should breeze into the playoffs, into the finals. Houston playing the Yankees and the Dodgers playing Atlanta because these were the four best. Ti- you have to make them. Regular season mean a lot. Yeah, I mean, it does. Let me just finish. I think the Yankees will put at a disadvantage by having to wait five days. Cleveland has the optimum situation. Two days rest if there were two-game winning streak. So they're going into that Yankee series red hot. Yeah, and that's so, a good
1: thing. So here's the thing, Richard. I, yeah. I, 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 I vehemently disagree with the notion that playing extra games – Benefits you. I, I'm always going to sign on. Happening now, you, you th- it becomes a conversation every single year in the NFL playoffs with the buys. This football. A totally different game. No, but All I'm right saying I'm saying the principle, like the the, the conversation. But it's totally Richard, <inaudible> Richard, Richard, every Rich, yeah, Richard. Ahead, let let me go continue, ahead. please. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The rest versus rusting. I, I'm never going to side with this idea that a team being forced to play extra games serves as a benefit. Now you could you could talk about momentum and having uh that disrupted if you're the Yankees, but the the advantage that the Yankees and the Braves and the Astros and the Dodgers have over all of these teams who are gonna advance past the wild card round are that they're better teams. That's the advantage. The Yankees advantage is that they're a better team than Cleveland. Now we ultimately have to see how it plays out over the course of the five game series and you're right about uh the Guardians being able to still utilize their number one and two starters, but the Yankees are a better team and should win the series. And and that to me is the benefit of of winning your division. You get the first round by, you play fewer games, you get to rest, and then you're playing an inferior team in in theory at least. Yeah, but see, once
0: the victor is announced, it could have been either Cleveland or Tampa, it doesn't matter. That, that team is going into the Yankees series hot. I'd rather put my money on a hot team. And the other team, I think, is a detriment. I think all four of the seeded teams have a disadvantage. All right, we'll five, see. Five just... games
1: Five days is a lot of days off. I did I, I, look. I, it's a lot of days off, especially when you play what, one hundred and sixty-two and one hundred and eighty-one days, and probably changed this year the math because of you no, know. That was this, less
0: than one hundred eighty-one. Yeah, yeah. Started yeah, April. Yeah, because April they started 15th, later because of the. It was uh, about one hundred and seventy-three days.
1: Yeah, because of the, I, uh, the contract. Right,
0: right. Now, my, my point is Ty, This, those four teams should be able to breeze. Into the, you know, they should, the matchup should be obviously, like I said, Houston and the Yankees, Atlanta and the Dodgers. They were the four best teams. So any upset along that way is not good. Not good. Of course, we love to see it and it shows parity and all, but it's really not fair. In other words, those four teams should have every advantage, an almost insurmountable advantage to get. To the world, we'll again. see. That's how I feel because they were the four best teams. They played 162 games to get to that position. That's why it should be that way. All right. that's how important we'll the regular we'll, season is. We will that's see my, how it unfolds.
1: We'll see. We will see how it unfolds, Richard. And I appreciate your phone call. I, I again, I, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. I disagree with the idea that playing extra games puts you in a more favorable position. Now it works out. If you're Cleveland and you can dust them off in two, and you can have your starters lined up the way that you want them, but it's just it it, it opens you to so many different variables like injuries and exhausting guys. I I, I just don't agree with that. Uh, e is driving the city field and wants to talk about the Mets. What's up, E?
2: Hey, what's going on, bro? How you doing?
1: I'm good, man. How you doing? You're a Met fan driving the city field. I, the question is, how are you feeling?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited because. Uh, we have a chance now. I, I'm, I'm really not feeling when you guys say it's a failure. It's a failure if you, oh, if I'm you la- lose. I'm ready for I'm, this. I'm,
1: okay, so make your case good. that it's not a failure. I'm, I'm
2: so, I'm so excited to talk
1: it's to simple. you right now. Let's do it.
2: it. It's simple, bro. It's simple. Listen, this is the second time we talk. I just want you to know that. Um, I called the other day on one of your other shows, and and they didn't get to me. So, but anyway, here's the deal. I'm old school, so I'm really feeling when. Like, think about the Pistons having to beat the Lakers and then the Bulls having to beat uh, the Pistons and so on. Remember those days? That's what this reminds me of. So the Mets have to get to a certain point before they can move on. And that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm not I, – listen, I, I I enjoyed the season. I saw games where I was, I was giddy. I haven't had that in a long time, bro. Okay, so let me ask
1: so, you a question. So when we uh, le, le, now we can ballpark it, but at what point during this during the season would you say you were the most giddy?
2: Uh oh, man, that's that's hard to say. But I just ballpark it. It, it. Wasn't, it wasn't always when they were winning every game. Yes, they were m- winning you know let just pull part two out of three okay so
1: right? I, so let, oh. let me make the question simpler for you when they when, on june 1st I, I know you're trapping you're trapping me bro
2: I no know
0: i
1: just have a it's a simple question when they had a ten and a half right. game division lead would you would you surmise that you you probably were the happiest or the most giddy as you phrased it would you, would you say that that's, yeah. that was the case i would say
2: that yeah.
1: okay so if if on june 1st when you had a 10 and a half game lead i then told you that you wouldn't win a playoff game and might not... You wouldn't win a playoff series and may not <laughs> win a playoff game. You're going to sit here and tell me the season is still a success? I would say that in the long run, it is. No, you would it not is. have said because, that. You're lying. Because, yes, You're li- I would. There's no, no would. way. I'm not lying. There's, there's, there's no
2: telling you way. I don't lie, bro. I don't lie. What What I would say is that this is the true learning experience for a team that should be doing really, really well, right? And so... So you, you think that next year they're going to come back and be terrible? I don't think so. Hopefully there's moves that will be made, right? Everybody gets better, hopefully, in, in the off season. So I'm I'm looking forward to next year. I'm looking forward to tonight because I still think we could get past tonight.
1: Okay. And, you know,
2: I'm, I'll be there. So the and pro- I'll be excited. I'll be cheering it on. And,
1: I, and I'm rooting for you to, to, to be excited. Here's the problem before I let you go. The problem with uh-huh. this idea that, you know, hopefully they get better next year. You know, championship windows don't stay open forever. And by the way, the best or maybe second best pitcher in your rotation might not be here next year. So this path, this path to getting better that doesn't include Jacob Degrom being a part of your rotation, is really a tough path. You do realize that,
2: of course. But you're thinking of it negatively. Like you're you're saying it as if he's almost certainly not going to be there. No, but I'm saying the fact that it's a
1: question. It makes my point. The fact that we're sitting here today having a conversation about whether or not he's going to be here, speak to how the 10-and-a-half game lead became a deficit where you now had to play in a wild-card series. And if you lose said wild-card series against an inferior team, we're not only discussing how you failed during a regular season because you blew the lead and then lost to an inferior playoff team. We're also discussing how you might be losing your best player.
2: Yeah, but I I wasn't discussing that you were. That wasn't my point. That was yours. And so I get it. It's cool. You trapped me in that a little bit, but it's cool. Love you, bro. Yo, listen, enjoy E. The enjoy the game,
1: man. Enjoy the game. Thank you, bro. Don't, I Thank just you, hope you're Chief. not part of the, the the folks booing the Mets off the field tonight if they lose, all right? Never. Never. All That's right. not me, bro. That's <laughs> Sound, not me. Sounds good, my man. Appreciate the call. Enjoy the game. If you're a Met fan driving to the game right now, hit us up, eight hundred nine one nine-three seven seven six Ty D. Butler. That's Twitter and Instagram. I wanna know how you feel about the game tonight. And then overall, if the worst case scenario unfolds and you're leaving this game. After your team just lost and the season is over, is it a success? Can we call this season a success after losing to the Padres in the wild card round when you had a 10.5 game division lead that you blew to the Braves? Can we call that a success? We'll take your phone calls on that. Connor Rogers in 10 minutes talking uh, football and baseball as well. Still a lot to happen before 7 o'clock right here on 9870 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: The Yankees have their opponent for the division series, the Guardians, and that gets started on Tuesday at the stadium. The Yankees this year in six games won five uh, against Cleveland, outscoring them 38-14. to 14. So they've had their number all season long. That should continue in the division series. The Yankees are going to be heavy favorites, and there should be no excuses. Yeah, I'm getting on the Mets uh, just about how I don't want to hear any excuses if they lose this series, but the same goes for the Yankees. You've got Cole, Cortez, and Severino all in line to start Game 1. Now, a couple of days ago, uh, I wanted to play you this this clip from the K-Show, and when Aaron Boone was asked who would be your your Game 1 starter.
3: I would actually like to settle on it here over the next 24 hours and get it lined up. I mean, there's some thought of maybe waiting to see who our opponent is, but I would like to get these guys kind of knowing where they're doing. They can set up their sides and when we want to have them throw live, for example, this weekend. The good thing is, I feel like with Garrett, Evie, and Nestor, I feel really good about where those guys are at and how we can match up from a starting standpoint against really any team right now. So, it's a little bit of a decision right now, but most- Mostly, I'd look at it as that's a good decision to have. So
1: that was Thursday on the K-Show. We're we're now 48 hours later. The Yankees have not announced who their Game 1 starter is for Tuesday at the stadium against the Guardians. But I I do think that it is rather alarming that he mentioned three names all vying for that spot because you would assume the guy who's being paid $324 million over nine years and Garrett Cole, who was brought here for these types of games— would be your, your Game 1 starter. The problem is this year hasn't proven he's earned it, and that's coming off of the debacle against the Red Sox at Fenway Park last October. So Nestor Cortez, uh, I would argue, has been their best pitcher all year. Severino probably has a higher ceiling than Cortez, but Cole is the moneymaker. He's the the quote-unquote ace of the staff. So when you say it's a good problem to have, I don't know if I agree with that because it should be it should be easy that Garrett Cole is your starter if Garrett Cole was Garrett Cole we wouldn't even be having this discussion if if Garrett Cole was the same guy we saw with the Astros or even closer to the guy who was came second in the Cy Young last year this would not even be a debate it'd be him starting game 1 and the more fascinating conversation would be about who's starting game 2 but the fact that we're, we're entertaining three guys for one spot, I guess you can talk yourself from an optimistic standpoint into this being a good problem to have because you have three guys that you quote unquote trust, but it all comes down to Garrett Cole falling short of expectations. Had he lived up to them, we, we wouldn't even be talking about this. Uh, but the Yankees, their, their postseason gets underway on Tuesday against the Guardians. I was excited about that because you, you're now three wins away from the championship series. Had to win the division when you go up 15 and a half games. Uh, it got dicey in August when they were struggling. A lot of it had to do with injuries. I, I never wavered on not pushing the panic button meter on this team just because I just thought it it, it was irresponsible to to have like an opinion of conviction going the other way without seeing them fully healthy and that's not even making excuses it's just i want to see them fully healthy and if, and if they get healthy and continue to struggle then maybe i i'd express some concern but you know once they got healthy and and got past that that skid they started rolling and and won a division pretty easily by 9 games so it, it's back to for the yankees all the pressure being on this this mantra of uh, a championship or bust. all the pressures back we we were really spoiled by the Aaron judge heroics the the campaign he put together kept us captivated because the division race was pretty much over. It gave us something to be entertained by, but it was also a nice deflection from you know you still have to win the title, right? Like, if you don't go out there, I I don't care how many games you win, I end up winning 99, which is a little apropos, but Yankee fans don't care about the regular season. You got to win a championship, and we were able to not focus on that as much because we were wowed by what Aaron Judge was doing in in the the home run chase. But now we get back to that, and now it's back to business, and it's no— You know, Garrett Cole setting the strikeout record, passing Gidry. It's no Aaron Judge setting the American League home run record. It's now back to business where we started from day one. And it's can this team win a championship? And if not, the fan base is going to come down on Aaron Boone, who, by the way, I would argue managed his best season this year amidst all the injuries and the bullpen being the worst position that he's had since he's been here. You know, Garrett Cole not being a, a, a true ace to form You know all the distractions with the Aaron Judge contract and then dealing with the, the home run chase, I, I thought he did an exceptional job and, and should get some—not uh, win it, but get some consideration, at least some votes for manager of the year. Uh, but the fans fans are going to come down on him. Fans are going to come down on him and Cashman if they don't get it done. So you don't want to look past the Guardians— as it's still a team that made the playoffs and advanced past the Rays and got into the second round and I know you've had their number the Yankees should win this series but don't look past them but we all know we're focused on that that date with the Astros because there's a little uh, unfinished business there so to speak Connor Rogers coming up next we'll talk some Mets big game tonight we'll talk some Jets and Giants as well coming up right here on 987 ESPN <laughs>
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: Uh, we welcome in our first guest of the program, lead draft analyst for Bleacher Report. You can catch him on Jets pre and post game uh, on SMY. And he also has a Mets podcast. My guy Connor Rogers. What's up, Con- Connor?
3: Hi, what's going on, man? Always good to talk to you. How are
1: you? I'm doing very well. I, I know we're going to talk football, but you're you're also. You know, you do a Mets podcast. So I feel inclined to ask you how you're feeling about this game tonight with the season being on the line. Jacob DeGrom in his last four starts hasn't been good, but he's still Jacob DeGrom. So how should Mets fans be feeling tonight? How are you feeling?
3: I mean, I'm sick to my stomach. I was there last night. Uh, oh, you were there time, last you know. night. You know, you know, yeah, I was there last night, of course, and, you know, suffering through and, Listen, this was a really, really good team this year that has had a, a tough week, whether it's from going back to Atlanta and now last night kind of falling on their face a little bit. And, you know, who else would you want on the mound in this situation? And I know it's been, uh, by Jacob DeGrom's standards, a, a tough little stretch there. But still, at the end of the day, he's somebody that on any given night in the big moment can give you six to seven innings of high-caliber strikeouts. It's is for me, Ty, None of that matters if the Mets don't hit. We can talk about Scherzer really being awful last night, but the Mets didn't hit anyway. And the Mets have had their offensive struggles in the second half of the season. So the Bats need to wake up for this team to go anywhere, and that's what it's going to come down to against Blake Snell.
1: And I, so I, I posed this question to the listeners just a little while ago. L- let's just live in a world, and it's heartbreaking for you, uh, but let's just pretend we live in a world where the Mets lose this game tonight. So you go from 101 wins, you had a ten and a half game division lead, you blew that, and, and now you get swept out of the playoffs. You lose to, a, a, everyone would agree, a, an inferior Padres team. Not that we're disrespecting them, but the Mets, on paper, on the field, were better than Padres. C- could we still call this a successful season?
3: It's difficult because you go from 77 wins to 101, that's a – massive improvement but everybody remembers what you do or don't do in the postseason so i think that is is tough to answer if they resign a couple of their guys make some improvements and then have a significant run next year everybody can look back on the season and say hey a lot of these guys never played playoff baseball maybe they learned from something from it but in the short term people are going to be really disappointed and rightly so and you know, the toughest part, I think, for this Mets team is it's it's tough to talk, call it a co- uh, collapse. They played 600 baseball down the stretch. The Braves just had a run that was essentially unprecedented in baseball, and the Mets could not win a game down there in Atlanta, which is their fault. So there's going to be really tough questions to answer if they don't advance past the wildcard round. If you do, everything's kind of washed away because – Let's be real. Nobody expects the Mets to beat the Dodgers. It would be great if they're competitive against them. It would be great if they surprise them. But then nobody is going to call it a failure. But, yes, they should be better than the Padres, who went all in at the trade deadline. The Mets did not. And maybe they're learning some hard lessons from that.
1: More of that uh, analysis you can get on the Mets pod on SMY TV, courtesy of Connor Rogers. All right, Connor, let's transition to... Football, your thoughts on what we got from Zach Wilson last week and expectations for tomorrow against a really good Dolphins defense.
3: I think the Jets are going to show up. And a little bit is the Dolphins are banged up. And sure, they're starting Teddy, who's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. But when you look at Zach, I mean, the first three quarters were a little bit up and down in Pittsburgh in his return. And in the fourth quarter, I think he was 10-12. He had the two touchdown drives that won them the game. Uh, He looked decisive. He hung in the pocket. He made throws. So, that's the Zach Wilson that the Jets are going to need consistently this year to truly believe that he's the guy going forward. So a good return for Zach Wilson. Miami's going to be an interesting matchup for them. They play about they play cover zero or cover one about 50% of the time. So they're going to be living in man coverage, bring a lot of pressure. That's something that Zach has struggled with in his early careers, but in his early career. But now they have Garrett Wilson out there. They have more weapons, whether it's free Hall or the tight ends. Corey Davis is having a little bit of a comeback season. Uh, there's a lot out there, guys that can separate, and Zach just needs to get the ball out, which he did in the fourth quarter of last week. So I think the Jets are going to show up in this one. They're three-point underdogs, obviously, at home, which is, you know, that's that's a pretty disrespectful line by Vegas. But the Jets need to win a division game before anybody gives them any respect. They were 0-6 in the division last year, Ty.
1: Having won, I believe 2019 was the last time they won a division game. That's right. So uh, Dwayne yeah, Brown, it's been a tough go. Dwayne Brown activated off the IR today. Max Mitchell replaces him there, so he's going to miss at least the next four weeks. And we we've seen the shuffle at the offensive line. It's so hard to you know to bring Zach. And I don't want to make excuses for him. He's you know he's he's an NFL quarterback. It happens all around the league. But to bring this guy in off of an injury and ask him to take control of of this offense with new weapons behind a shifting offensive line and guys are getting hurt what's your expectation from Dwayne Brown and how how do you see them improving throughout the season
3: well he's a massive upgrade over Max Mitchell I know Max Mitchell has been everybody's kind of favorite story I think he has definitely exceeded expectations but when you watch the film he's still extremely limited as a fourth round rookie right now he's gotten beat a lot it's gonna happen so now, the question is, what Dwayne Brown are we getting? This, it was rumored that he was recommended uh, the shoulder, you know, shoulder surgery to end his season, and he opted to kind of go with the rehab route short-term and play through it. So, you know, 80% of Dwayne Brown is better than anything they have at tackle, significantly better than anything they have at tackle. Now, will it be 80%? That's what we'll have to see. But it, it's a huge upgrade, especially for their run game that has not gotten going the way they had hoped when they signed Lakin Tomlinson, when they added Brown second year of Elijah Beer Tucker, who's been great. Um so that that's gonna help now. What they do on the right side of the offensive line, everybody's got their eyes on. Are they gonna have to start Connor McDermott? Is ABT gonna play as, what? Is uh this fourth position now <laughs> since done with the Jets. Is he gonna kick out the right tackle? That would not surprise me. He is open and willing to do that. He's that kind of character of a player uh, and has the ability to survive hold up there. So, yeah, you're right. It's a tough situation for Zach Wilson. Everybody's dealing with O-line injuries around the league, but it's a makeshift unit that hasn't had a lot of time to gel together, and they're kind of figuring it out on the fly.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the expectation is for Zach to take this leap. Again, I'm not making excuses for him, but – I don't envy him being behind that offensive line, but he does have the assortment of weapons. I, I love what I've seen from Garrett Wilson, uh, Corey Davis, as you mentioned, ha- having a, a, a comeback season and really integral part of both of the comeback wins, the miracle wins. Uh, but as we shift over to the Giants, I, I, I look at this game in London tomorrow at nine thirty, Giants Packers. As the Packers, yes, they're three and one. They're still many people's picks. To, many people's pick to come out the NFC. But the offense is clearly struggling. Rodgers doesn't have that Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. He's still getting used to those guys. The defense is really good, but they struggle against the rushing attack. And here you go. That's the strength of the Giants. Their rushing attack was Saquon Barkley. So if one is to make the case for the Giants being competitive and possibly pulling off an upset, uh, what is that case?
3: It has to be just a game plan totally evolved around Barkley breaking off a big player too. And I know that's pretty easy to sit here and say, but – you nailed it. Three bays run defense has been bad and they invested significant draft assets into their front seven in the NFL draft and they have a ton of money spent up there and it's not working out for them right now. So yeah, listen, it doesn't matter who they're playing. The Giants don't want Daniel Jones or whoever has to play quarterback for them on any given moment to really throw the ball and push the ball down the field continuously, especially with the injuries they've dealt with at wide receiver, an offensive line that has its question marks and its areas of development outside of Andrew Thomas, who has been really, really good. So they need to lean on Saquon Barkley in both the run and pass game and have the Giants' defense kind of wear down the Packers' offense that's been very, very spotty throughout this year. They're trying to figure out who their number one or number two wide receiver is consistently – A.J. Dillon hasn't gotten going in the ground game. Aaron Jones is good when they feature him. It's just a question of if they will go that route. So the Giants, who are significant underdogs in London, uh, despite being a three-win team, they are over a touchdown underdog. That is the way they stay in this game. The the conditions are always odd in London. Uh, Could be low scoring. This could be a game that the Giants try to scratch out and keep below 20 points on each side. All
1: right, let's go around the NFL a bit. And it's premature, it's goofy, but it's the way we have fun. Uh, through the first four weeks of the season, who's who's your NFL MVP? I have, I have Mahomes, Lamar, and Allen there. Do you agree with me? Or, and if so, where would you rank those guys?
3: I, I do. I have Josh Allen number one in, in that stretch, and I think it's because when you look at – You know, I always do the exercise like this, Ty, especially since it's a quarterback award. I try to project what the offense would look like with that quarterback, as we've seen it, Josh Allen on the Bills, Mahomes on the Chiefs, Lamar on the Ravens, versus an average quarterback in that spot. For me, it really comes down to, so far, just through the first four games, Allen and Lamar in that scenario. If you take Lamar off the Ravens' offense, they don't do anything. If you take Josh Allen off the Bills' offense, Stephon Diggs is great, but – Their offensive line hasn't been spectacular. They have a lot of injuries, including Gabe Davis. Dawson Knox hasn't really had a big receiving production kind of season. Those guys do the most with, I don't want to say the least, because there's players around them. But, God, what they do for their offense single-handedly, the ability to run, the ability to throw the ball down the field, escape, make plays, avoid sacks, it's really, really special. So Josh Allen uh, by a hair over Lamar Jackson. But you have to wonder if Lamar was on a better offense what he would be capable of in this contract
1: year? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, Lamar actually reminded me a lot of what Aaron Judge was doing in, in, in his contract season. L- Lamar, I know they've had two awful losses, uh, but the, the 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 Lamar Jackson story ha- has been so fun to watch. I got to ask you this: a guy not in the MVP conversation is one of Russell Wilson. So it's announced today that. He, he's got a, a shoulder injury, and he's going to get an injection, and they've got some time off because they just played on Thursday night. They don't play again until next Monday against the Chargers. I look at it from this standpoint, and, and it sounds odd, but, like, follow me. If I'm a Broncos fan, I, this makes me kind of feel better because we need a, an explanation as to why you've stunk. Like, Russell Wilson isn't this bad. Is he washed? Or is it because he was hurt? So if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm looking at this and saying maybe, hopefully that was the reason we were seeing like this lack of production. Uh, I heard a stat, something like one for 18 or two for 18 in the red zone was Russell Wilson. Is this encouraging to know that we've now pinpointed what was bothering him and and maybe we can fix it? Or do you think Russell Wilson is just washed?
3: I think he's in trouble, Ty. I really do. And I think it's, I think it's a combination of his body kind of starting to slowly have issues. Let's not forget last year, and these are freakish things, but he he had the finger fracture last year. It just feels like he's dealing with little things all the time. And It's weird to call him a small quarterback because he's not. He's very thickly built, but he does like to hold on to the football for a very long time behind offensive lines, and he takes a lot of hits. And He's not seeing the field very well. Whether your shoulder's acting up or not, He's not seeing the field well. You can you can look at his shoulder and go, man, that might explain why his best asset in his career has been his deep ball, the touch on the deep ball, just seems out of sync. It's not, and that could be with the new wide receiver cast, but it also feels like he's just missing guys down the field. But the thing that there's no injury explanation for is why is he not seeing open receivers at the, you know, the end of his drop, yeah, and letting man. the ball go? So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned, especially when you look at the overall investment and the fact that a lot of people don't realize – he was not great for seattle in the second half of last year and you have to wonder if this is just a continuation of that
1: yeah man it's just, it's you know we we looked at this afc west as the best division in football i mean chargers Chiefs, Raiders, and the Broncos, and so far the Raiders have been disappointed. They just got their first win, and the Broncos have probably probably been the biggest disappointment in the NFL. One uh, one last one for you, just to go back to the Jets, because uh, Rich Cimini put out a piece earlier today about uh, just detailing what went down with the Tyreek Hill potential trade to the Jets, and I wanted to ask you this, so it, it turns out that the picks that they surrendered actually that's now that they kept them, allowed them to to, you know, get Jermaine Johnson and Brees Hall, did they make out better not going all out for a wide receiver who's clearly one of the best in the NFL, who's clearly an upgraded talent and probably would have been the best they've had since Keyshawn, but to maintain the picks and the, the you know, the cap space flexibility, was this kind of like the better move for the Jets from your perspective?
3: I think it's a little bit of a wash. And why I say that is there's not a lot of players in NFL history that could do what Tyreek Hill can in terms of stretching the field or getting the quick throws and making a play with the ball in his hands. And when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, the kind of stress he puts on defensive coordinators and secondaries really impacts your entire offense and makes life easier for the quarterback, for the offensive line, and especially the running back when he's not facing eight- and nine-man boxes over and over again. But why I call it a wash is, I don't know if the Jets were necessarily ready for this kind of move that signals, hey, you know, this is a guy that his his game is based on his legs. We know in the next three years is when he's going to be at his best before there's some kind of cliff that he eventually hits. Are the Jets there yet? It would have been great for Zach Wilson's development, but now on the flip side, you drafted Garrett Wilson with the 10th overall pick. He looks phenomenal. He looks like a player that can be – zach wilson's number one wide receiver on a very very efficient salary for a long time and then when it's time to pay him you do that and then like you said you got a pass rusher that's had some flashes already you have Brees hall who's already their workhorse number one running back they're starting to feature him and then you're saving all of that money because you got to pay Quentin williams after this year and if these picks hit which we think the 2021 and 2022 classes have a lot of hits you got to be able to pay them so it's just kind of a wash in the sense of how it overall worked out. Yes, would have made the Jets' offense maybe more explosive this year, of course. And it would have kept them away from the Dolphins, who have one of the best offenses in football so far easily. But I think long-term, a little bit of more patience here and watch this offense grow together is probably right move for Joe Douglas and the Jets, despite them doing everything they could to land Tyreek Hill.
1: I love it. And I love how excited and optimistic you are about the Jets' Their chances tomorrow at MetLife against the Dolphins haven't won a home game yet, so hopefully we can do that. As we mentioned, haven't won a division game in three years, so hopefully they can do that. Another thing I'm looking forward to is them putting together 60 minutes, not just you know it coming together in the final <laughs> six minutes of a game. Can we see an entire 60-minute game where both your offense and your defense look functional? <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward that to. That would
3: be something. Yeah, cut the penalties down. Uh, play with the lead yes. a little bit more. That would be great. Big <laughs> At home, at home. The Jets fans have not seen that at home very often, especially in these division games. So that is absolutely would-be signs of progress from Robert Sala and his
1: staff make sure you check Connor Rogers out on Jets pre and post game on SNY TV he's got a MET podcast out gonna be breaking down a MET loss tonight possibly we'll, we'll see about that uh, but really appreciate don't you don't put ju- that
3: in the universe <laughs> pie. You, and your, you and your Yankee ways do not put that in the universe
1: yet hey man all I know is one team's on a first round by resting and the other team's got their season on the line tonight so uh, I'll, I'll leave you uh, to no deal with I those know. emotions <laughs> really appreciate you joining the show, man? As always, take care and good luck to your team tonight. And looking forward to uh, the Jets getting a victory tomorrow.
3: Thanks, I appreciate you, man.
1: Have a good one. That's Connor Rogers. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, Connor J Rogers. Uh, does a great job for Bleacher Report, S N Y TV and of course PFF. Love it, love it. We'll get back to baseball. We're gonna close the show. Go full baseball the rest of the show because got the Mets playing a huge, huge game tonight. Huge game. The Yankees, their opponent, set for the division series. That's the Cleveland Guardians. We'll talk all about it as we wrap going until 7 o'clock, leaning you into Mets Padres right here on 98.7 ESPN.